So, this evening's talk is on faith. This, this word, faith, I think first needs to be addressed. It's a somewhat challenging topic, actually, to talk about for a number of reasons. One reason might be because some of us here, I imagine, have complicated relationships with this word faith. Um, Maybe this is because at some point in our life, or maybe even currently, uh, have experienced putting our faith in something or someone to find later that that thing or that person wasn't actually worthy of our faith or um, has disappointed us in some way. And so perhaps the word faith brings to mind or resonates for you in a way that brings in wounding, uh, something complicated, a complicated relationship. Perhaps some of you have experienced being told that you need to have faith in something, but you couldn't full-heartedly have faith, faith in that thing. And maybe that created rifts or complications in your relationships with the people who felt you needed to have that faith. Or maybe it wasn't safe to even say that you were doubting your faith in something or someone. Maybe that wasn't okay at some point. So as I'm talking about faith this evening, just to know, for those of you who resonate with this word in that, in that way, that I'm, I'm holding that. Uh, I'm conscious that for some, this is not a comfortable topic. And maybe rightfully so. Yeah. The other reason this word is uh, difficult to talk about in a way is because our relationship with the meaning of faith can be quite different from person to person. So what it actually means to us personally may be influenced by our upbringing, our background, our culture. Um, And so I want to bring it into the Buddhist context this evening and start by giving uh, a definition that I understand to be more in line with this tradition. And, um, And we can explore that together this evening. And then lastly, I wonder if as I'm bringing this topic in, if some of you are wondering why I would do that. Perhaps you're here because you heard that Buddhism didn't require faith, and that was really attractive to you. And so if that's true for you, that's also actually just fine. And I'm going to maybe, I'm not going to try and change your mind about that, but I might be offering new options for you as you Um, engage in this practice. So this word faith, in Buddhism, it comes from the word sada, 
which is a Pali word. And so again, this word is uh, in Pali describing something that is um, not dogmatic. It's uh, describing something, an experience that's lacking doubt. It's describing something that is coming from the heart, that faith is not an intellectual exercise. It's a movement of this heart, or sometimes refer, refer to it as the heart-mind in this practice. It's a uh, state of being, this faith. The direct translation It literally means to place the heart upon. I find that really a beautiful way of putting it, to place the heart upon. It's this openness of heart and also trust in order to be able to place our heart upon anything and to have that vulnerability and that openness. There has to be a certain level of trust maybe even a confidence in that which we are placing our heart upon. And so this faith is, for some of us, quite easy. It comes naturally. We're inclined towards it. And for others of us, we're quite skeptical and unsure about it, and it can seem very vulnerable and not something we leap to. We might not leap to this idea of having faith in something. So what is it that we're, that we're trusting in this practice? In Buddhism, uh, maybe the reason why it's often thought of as not being uh, faith-based or that faith doesn't really have uh, um, a place in this practice or on this path um, might be because the, one of the uh, core teachings of the Buddha was to see for yourself Don't take my word for it. See for yourself what is true. Bring your practice to experience. Investigate. Question. Don't just take my word for it. And so we get this idea that what he's saying is uh, that you don't need faith in this. You get to, you can just see for yourself. And I think that um, although that, that foundational teaching is very true and very much at the core of how we practice. Faith has an integral uh, relationship with that teaching that I'd like us to explore. So what are we, what are we having faith in? If it's not directly what the Buddha said just because he said it, or the teachings just because they're there. If it's not in uh, the community uh, all here together just because they say it should be this way and we're asked to not just blindly follow, but to question and see for ourselves, then what is it that we're having faith in? I was listening to a talk by Sharon Salzberg who has written the book on faith, um, certainly one to check out if this is a topic that interests you. It's called Faith. 
Uh, she has given a number of Dharma talks on the subject. And in one talk, she asked that question, what is it that we're having trust in? What is it that we're trusting? What is it that we're having faith in inside ourself or in our personal experience? And she asked the group that she was speaking to if it was, the, if it was thoughts. Is it our thoughts that we have? trust in and faith in? And what would that be like if we really fully trusted our thoughts and we followed our thoughts? (laughs) And imagine just this last sit, if you had full faith in everything that you thought through that 40-minute period of time and in fact felt so uh, trusting of it that you followed whatever your thoughts told you to do, what would that have looked like. I'm guessing (laughs) some of you would have just stood up and walked out. Some of you maybe would have just kind of rolled over onto the floor and curled up with one of the cushions under your head. Maybe some of you would have turned to the person next to you to ask them a question or just maybe they were looking just a little too still and quiet and just wanted to push them over. Maybe (laughs) you would have started checking your email and your phone calls and messages, or maybe just make a call. Maybe you haven't eaten yet and you'd like takeout. Who knows? I feel like this would be a very different experience if we all had such faith in our thoughts and just followed them because we trusted them so much. And so we're laughing because, of course, we don't trust all these thoughts. We don't. We can't. We have something in us that has been learned and, and uh, respected that everything we think uh, isn't something to act upon. They're not necessarily trustworthy thoughts. In fact, a lot of it is just silliness and uh, rambling, right? A lot of it just isn't even true. So if it's not our thoughts, then what is it that we are having faith in, in our experience? What is it that we can trust? And so think about it for a moment. What is it inside yourself that you can trust, that you have faith in? You can take a moment to look inside yourself and think about that. What is it in our capacity, in our character, that we trust? Perhaps it's a sense of goodness or wholesomeness. Perhaps it's our intentions. Perhaps it's our practice our ability to be mindful some of the time. It doesn't have to be all the time. Our care for others, our compassion for others. Maybe something I haven't spoken to yet. Is there anything I haven't said that's popped in your mind? What do you trust? You can just yell it out and I'll say it back. You'll still be alive in 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. Maybe. 
Mm-hmm. But we can have trust in that. It's functional sometimes, isn't it? Okay. Possibility of freedom. Possibility of freedom. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So the Pali Canon, the teachings of the Buddha. Yeah. Yes, you're actually, uh, I'm going to go into that, actually, how this faith actually allows us to start to see the truth in the teachings rather than us just believing the teachings verbatim. But that's not what you're saying. You're actually experiencing them, and that's where the faith comes through. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So seeing, having faith in the habits that have some wholesomeness to it, right? Some positive reward or some way that, are, that is uh, bettering your life rather than creating more stress or suffering or uneasiness. Yeah. Yep, how about one more? Yeah, strengthen your inner power to overcome obstacles, difficulties, our capacity, having some faith in our capacity, which which probably didn't just come out of thin air, right? That was something that you know you have that capacity because you've lived through certain experiences, I'm guessing, uh, that showed you, oh, I can I can actually get through this. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. And so as we tune into this trust in ourself or in our capacity or in our knowing and what we know to be true in this moment, uh, there's a lack of doubt that comes with that trust and that faith. And that is one of the um, beauties of faith. There's not a lot of room for doubt, self-doubt, when there's real faith being experienced in the moment. And so it's almost a uh, a relief as we experience faith. There's a feeling of um, upwelling energy and (laughs) can-do I can do this when there's faith as opposed to uh, the contraction and the confusion that often comes with doubt. Doubt is often uh, immobilizing where faith mobilizes, doesn't it? So this is the territory that I'm wanting us to keep in mind when I'm saying this word faith, that this is the experience of faith. And certainly an experience worth getting to know intimately. In the um, teachings of the Buddha, faith comes up in a couple places. And the one that I'd really like to bring in is the five spiritual faculties, which is just another list. If you're not familiar with the teachings of the Buddha, there's lots of lists, and this is just one of them. But it's an important list. I guess I would say that for all of them. But um, (laughs) uh, this list is uh, really pointing at our our innate innate human capacity to... uh, 
to be in moments of freedom. These moments of freedom, of clarity leading to wisdom. In fact, when we are in a space of real clarity and freedom, all of these five uh, spiritual faculties are said to be present. And that's one of the ways you can tell if um, you are experiencing something that is uh, free from greed, hatred, delusion, another list, if you're not familiar with that one. And so the five faculties are faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. And they're in that order for a reason. So faith is first on this list. So so interesting that sometimes we associate the, the word faith not with Buddhism, and yet it's this essential ingredient in these five spiritual faculties. Faith, and it comes first. And the reason it comes first is that we, we need that level of trust and confidence in the, perhaps it's in the teachings, perhaps it's in our own capacity to practice, to stay with this moment, rather than to be distracted or to try and make it something different. So we need this faith in order to move into this energy that is absolutely necessary for our practice. And I'm not talking woo-woo energy. I mean real energy in the body, in our mind, to have a brightness about our, uh, our body and our ability to focus, to observe, to be attentive to stay in contact with the moment and the experiences of this moment. And so that energy is what allows us to uh, practice and sustain mindfulness, which then allows us to cultivate and sustain concentration. And from there, uh, when we have a mind that is mindful, concentrated, has a balanced energy and effort, Wisdom arises. So part of the tradition we are in is called the insight tradition. Vipassana is the Pali word. And we're not just looking to... uh, We're not just looking to have simple moments of um, be you know, reducing stress in our life, stress reduction, or which is wonderful. Um, but it's not, it's not the end game here. We're not just looking to be blissed out. We're actually cultivating in this way. We're sitting for 40 minutes in a hall together in silence, <laughs> in possibly very uncomfortable positions, so that we can cultivate insight. It's what we're doing here. We're cultivating insight, wisdom. And it's this wisdom that frees us from the neurotic mind, as I talked about last week. The trappings of our, of our mind that are often, when it's trapped, it is 
uh, being influenced by either greed or hatred or delusion. And so faith comes at the beginning of this process. And my guess is that many of you had experienced some level of faith to begin this practice. And so perhaps it was uh, that you saw your own discomfort, your suffering, your unsatisfactoriness with your world or yourself and had this sense that there's something more here. And I'm, I don't know, maybe you don't even know, didn't know what it was, but you had a sense that there was something more to life than this, than this repetitive cycle of happy, unhappy, happy, unhappy, happy, unhappy, wanting, not wanting, wanting, not wanting, not wanting, not wanting, that there was something more than just that. So maybe there was just this little glimmer of faith in that truth. There must be something more than this. Or maybe it was faith in uh, your ability to somehow be happy. That there was truly a way to find true happiness. That it wasn't going to be out there. It wasn't going to be in the next thing you bought or the next friend you made or in your next relationship, but there was something a lot deeper that could be cultivated, that could bring a much more refined, matured happiness. Maybe that's what brought you. Maybe it was uh, connecting with goodness, a greater goodness. We're so... um, bombarded, in fact, I was speaking with somebody just before we all settled in for the sit about all of the, um, all of the, the media and uh, um, how much uh, kind of an, a negative tone is, is, is constantly what's available, <laughs> whether it's uh, news media or advertising media or whatever it is, but we're bombarded by that, and some of it, you know, there's a truth to, there's, there's a lot of suffering going on in this world. And then there's another side to that, that there's really, there's some pretty evil things happening in this world, and there's some really good, wholesome things happening in this world. And within ourselves, there, there can be that tendency of... Um, unwholesomeness, but there can also be that wholesomeness and that both of them can be there. And so perhaps it was just a belief in this greater goodness in yourself or in the world that led you to this practice. So whatever it was, my guess is it started with faith. And it may have been a bit of a blind faith even. In, so there's the different categories of faith in Buddhism. One of them is blind faith. And blind faith is kind of a childlike faith. We all had this faith when we were children. Whatever the adults told us was true, we thought was true because the adults said so. And we trust that, right? And then as we get older, we start to question 
maybe we question a lot. <laughs> We're not taking anything that they say <laughs> for truth. It's a whole process of development, actually. That's very important. So we start to question and start to see for ourselves what's actually true for us. And it's not always in line with what the adults around us thought. And so for some of us, maybe you were the type of kid who was really um, wanting that truth and would come up against whatever seemed um, incorrect for you. You weren't going to settle for just what people said. And for some of us, maybe it was not that easy of a transition into discovering what was really true for you. Um, I was thinking on the way here, actually, what, what my example would be of this. And I had this memory of being a really young child. I'm the eldest of three. Um, and feeling, I was really young at the time, but feeling like the older sister and feeling more adult suddenly. And I, it was around Christmas time, and we celebrated Christmas in our house. And I have this memory of, walking up to my mom, who was at the kitchen sink, I think washing dishes, and I, I think I put my hands on my hips and just very uh, straight said, all right, I want to know, is Santa Claus real? <laughs> and I just remember her turning around to me and putting what she had in her hands down. She looked at me and said, do you really want to know? And I knew she was going to tell me the truth in that moment. And I said, no. And I turned around and walked away. <laughs> I remember that so uh, strongly as this, this moment where I, so it, I, now I knew the truth. I knew what the truth was, but I wasn't ready for it because the truth of Santa Claus was just so much better <laughs> than there not being a Santa Claus at that time. So, we're like that with blind faith, right? So even we come into adulthood, and maybe it's not, hopefully it's not Santa Claus anymore, but it's something else. It's something else that we've held dearly to, that we've relied on, that we have faith in. And even as we see the truth of that belief erode, as we perhaps are going into our practice more, or we're questioning more, even as we see it erode, there can still be this wanting to turn away from that truth. The um, questioning of, of and coming into a, a new uh, verified faith might be really uncomfortable, uncomfortable to leave that blind faith because that's what we've known for so long. And of course, it, it, it just it, naturally, we can't hold on to that. There's some point where we, we do have to go into our verified faith. But it's tricky. It's not always so clean as, as an experience, as far as I've experienced it. And I have a feeling this is a common experience. So this, this blind faith, it can be kind of sticky and, and one that we're not eager to leave. But in this practice, we, we have to. Uh, 
as we start to bring our attention to our experiences and start to see for ourselves how things really are, and we start to um, bring our attention to the things that are uncomfortable to us, we come right up to our edge often in practice. And our edge is really, uh, what I mean by that is coming up against the places where we just, we feel like that's where our capacity stops, right? It's where the fear is right there, the uncertainty, the doubt is right there. And can we stay with experience even when we're right up at our edge? This practice asks that of us. This practice is not about looking or perceiving to be awake or looking the part in some way, whatever that means. Uh, There's a a phrase that developed um, uh, called spiritual materialism, which often, I think, at the seed of it is this blind faith or this inability or maybe just, um, uh, just not being ready yet to, to really face what is, what is real here? What's actually authentic here? Not trying to just look good at it, but actually coming in contact with, this is real, this is difficult, this is hard, this sucks, or this is really wonderful. Wow, I had no idea I could feel this way. Can I stay with that? Can I feel like this is authentic too? And so we need to, uh, in a, this practice as it evolves, in order for it to evolve and to grow and to deepen, uh, we, we have to continue to stay with experience, even when it's uncomfortable. And our verified faith starts to grow. Verified meaning exactly how it sounds. We're actually having faith come from experiences that we are starting to understand. There's a knowing that starts to evolve. It's this wisdom factor that starts to develop. And our, our faith grows from that. So just like what you were saying with the teachings of the Buddha, or maybe it's some other teaching. It's, maybe it's a different dharma. There's Buddha dharma, and then there's other dharma. It's all dharma. <laughs> But there is this wonderful outline, uh, outline of uh, the practice of the path in Buddhism that many find really helpful. But it's not helpful if we're walking along it blindly. It's actually not doing us any favors. It's when we start to verify our experiences and how they are in line with the teachings and also seeing when they're not in line with the teachings and seeing what is, what is true for me, what can I trust? When we can't trust ourselves and we start to have verified faith in others, uh, so we start to see who around us has wisdom and who does not, and who has wisdom that seems in conduct that seems to be in line with uh, what I hold to be important and valued and can I have faith in, in them when my internal experience is really shaky? When my mind is going all over the place and I don't know 
which direction to go in. So as we, we get more and more um, developed in this practice and in our community, whatever the community is, this verified faith will arise. And often from that verified faith, especially in the beginning of practice, I notice, I, I had this experience and I've seen it a lot in many practitioners, we have what's called bright faith. So it's that person, maybe you're here in the audience, who just can't get enough <laughs> of this practice. You're so inspired. It's so inspiring to have a strong faith in, oh, this is, this is it. This is the way. This actually works. I can see it because I'm actually experiencing it. I remember at the beginning of my practice, I had that experience. And I came in pretty, well, I would say extremely critical <laughs> about what this all was. I've told this story before, but I, I came to this practice by um, accident somewhat. A friend of mine went, was going to go to a beginning meditation class, and I had no, uh, a, just no idea what that even meant. I thought it was a cult. So I went with him <laughs> to protect him. And <laughs> I was very concerned. I really genuinely was. So I went, and um, boy, this was 11 years ago, and it was so, it was, it's so clear in my mind now, this moment where there was, it was a, a, um, a, a kind of a seasoned practitioner who was leading the group. It was only, I think, maybe a 45-minute class, and the first thing he had us do was just pay attention to our breathing and count our breaths. And when we could no longer, uh, when we were no longer aware of our breath and our counting, we would come back to one. So this is a common um, exercise in this practice. So I would count my breaths, and one, and two, and three, and then my mind would be off and I'd notice it, and I'd bring it back to one and two and three, and then it'd be off again. And that was my experience for maybe five minutes. That was how long that first meditation was. I was blown away. <laughs> I totally drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> right off the bat. I was just blown away. And it was because really no one had pointed that out to me before, that I had no control over my mind. It made so much sense <laughs> that I had no control over my mind. In fact, at the end, once we did our five-minute meditation, we went around the group and everyone shared what they noticed and what happened. And that's what I ended up blurting out, was I have no control over my mind. And it was so exciting to me. And <laughs> it was. I had, it was. It ended up, I realized it was what I was wanting to be pointed out to me for so long, I just didn't know it. And so this bright faith uh, was born in that moment, and I couldn't get enough of it. And so I, uh, you know, every waking moment was all about the Dharma for me. For, some, for years, for many years, this lasted. I went to Thailand because of this and practiced in monasteries and came back and did long retreats, and just I couldn't get enough of it. And... Um, there is something with bright faith that sometimes can be a bit unbalanced. Uh, I realized this when I met up with a friend 
years ago who was going through this experience. He had found Buddha. <laughs> you know, you kind of become born again <laughs> a little bit sometimes with right faith. And we were having lunch, and he was going on and on and on about all the practice and how it's changing his life. And it was really beautiful, and I just thought, oh, that's how I was. Uh-huh. <laughs> we can get really um, uh, just inspired in a way that it can be a little Im- unbalanced in our practice or in our life, but at the same time, it can be this really important, juicy time of practice where our heart is truly, what was the, the phrase? Our heart is um, placed upon this practice. We have full confidence that in some way, this is what I'm meant to do, or this is what I need to do, or this has something for me. It has something to tell me. And so we can uh, really give ourselves to that, to that bright faith, to that verified faith. So even as in my own practice, that bright faith kind of balanced, and now I would say, there's verified faith that feels much more balanced. That verified faith is something that we can place our heart on. And we need to sometimes. Life is unpredictable. It's not going to go the way that you think it will go. That's guaranteed. And we have uh, ease in our life, And then we have loss in our life. We have great joys and happiness in our life. And then we have uh, really scary, ground-shaking events that happen in our life. And this faith really does allow us to stay with both. And we need it at times. So maybe you've experienced a great loss. Maybe someone's passed away recently, or maybe not so recently, but there's still there, that residue of loss there that sometimes just never goes away, does it? And so we need our faith to get through those times. Or maybe it's a loss of a job, of income, and the scary fear, all the uncertainty that comes up with that. And we need faith to stay with it, to keep going to not become so overwhelmed with our own doubt that it's not going to work out. Maybe it's some other experience that you're going through right now that all you have is faith in order to get through. I know in my, in my practice, even in the practice, in our spiritual development, there are stages where we can go through uh, real uncertainty. We've talked about this in here, where sometimes the ground that just seems so solid that we rested all of our beliefs and practices on suddenly isn't there anymore. And if that doesn't sound familiar, don't worry about it. And, but I'm imagining that some of you have experienced that in your spiritual practice, where there's uh, a lot of room for doubt in your own capacity. And perhaps all that's left is faith that this practice works. <laughs> 
I've experienced that in my own practice, these times where the practice gets so hard. In fact, I remember being in an interview uh, with Gil Fronsdale, who said, I was expressing this in an interview, and he said, Kate, you're at a point in your practice that sometimes is called rolling up the mat, which is uh, um, a common thing, meaning uh, that you're going to give, you might just, there's a, a risk of just giving up because it's too hard. And um, this phenomenon that happens sometimes in practice of just rolling up the mat, it's just too much, it's too difficult. And when he said that, immediately I knew that that was a possibility, and I also knew that my faith in this practice would never allow me to do that. So it ended up being just my faith that, no, everything up till this moment has really worked you know this i've seen this to be true i can i can have faith in that to carry me through the difficult times through spiritual development as well and that's not there just for the good the good stuff you know it is really there for the difficult times so this verified faith this bright faith this spiritual faculty is so important and absolutely has a place in in our practice here. It's what inspires us. It's what makes us excited. It's what makes us feel connected to something so much bigger than us. Those moments when we, maybe it's looking over a vista or a sunset, um, I was at an exploratorium uh, not that long ago, and they did this whole movie up uh, in this dome theater about space and where we are in the universe, and it just makes you, wow. We're so connected to something so much bigger than the drama that's going on in here in our, our little selves that we can have trust and faith in just that that we're held in something so much bigger, so much more than we can understand even. It goes beyond our ability to fully comprehend. And we can trust that. We don't have to be afraid of that. We can, we can actually have trust in that. In fact, I bet some of you have, at times of pure desperation, have spoken to the universe. Have you ever done that? Oh, please, please help me. We've had those moments, most of us, I'm sure of it, where we're asking for something so much bigger than us to be there with us. And so having this faith is a mature sign of practice. I think I'll stop there. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your questions about this this theme. Um, we'll just run a mic around. And I, I don't see Andrew. Yeah, great. Thank you. And um, the mic's important so that everyone can hear, and also this is a recording. Well, uh, there are a couple of concepts that in my experience go be- before faith, mm-hmm. and that is grace, 
when mm. when I when I basically don't know. It's great because I have no idea. Yeah. And uh, well, that's very that's one that is very important. Mm-hmm. And um, the other one is presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, for many, 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 for a long, 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 you have no idea how long, I have been able to identify presence. Mm. And uh, I just, with one teacher, it started that my earlier memories are with Hindu teachers that I would just go to see them because there was you know, this famous person that was in town and living in San Francisco. I mean, I've seen it, I've seen it all. <laughs> so, uh, you know, oh, this is one, okay, I'll go. I always say yes. And uh, I sit there and there was something that I felt and maybe for an hour, for three hours after that. That's how I met Master Hua. Uh-huh. I have no idea. When I went to to where he was talking, I have no idea. I have no plans. I have not, didn't know a thing of what was going to happen. It had been one of the strongest presence that I felt mm. being around him. So there is also it, people, cert- beings that uh, has an aura. Has a have a something that they touch on other other people, and uh, yeah. I've been there so many times that they, that didn't make me a saint or anything like that. But you know, I said mm. it felt good, so I kept you know insisting in being around that kind of personality, mm-hmm. and I don't regret it today. Beautiful. Yeah. It's the three refuges. We chanted it. Mm. At the at the end the of our Buddha the Buddha, you know, Buddha being a man who who awoke, and that we can take refuge if that's an inspiring uh, um, story, an idea, and um, archetype for us. And then there are certainly teachers who can hold that type of space mm-hmm. of of. Uh, a purity and a presence and wisdom that we then ends up like a mirror for ourselves. So you experience this thing around them. And what I would encourage in those moments is just to notice that it's, it's showing you a capacity in yourself, a capacity for your own presence, a capacity to, um, Perhaps even just feel the grace of that that moment, and that it's it's it is a gift and something to have trust in. I always felt open to it. I have never been able to generate it, <laughs> or to or to say, well, today I'm going to see I'm going to see so and so, and this is going to happen. Yeah. That never happened. Yeah. Well, there were times that it was almost certain and, and probably happened, but. Uh, predicting experiences, no. No. <laughs> Anybody else? Questions or comments? Thank you, Carrie. Oh, yeah? Great.
I have I have been doing this practice for almost uh, 15 years. Um, f- finally, um, what gives me faith is uh, seeing this in more than which I do uh, in my Buddhist teachers. What really gives me faith it is to see enormous kindness or enormous softness of heart. um in people who don't even practice anything um i usually see that i'm sorry men but in old grandmas mm-hmm. <laughs> uh especially from older cultures mm-hmm. they just they give they give they give they have been trained to give for all their lives and always think of others and something just rubs off and rubs off and just gets purified and uh that really shows me um that builds my faith that we have all have that capacity yeah and uh that it does not have to be one way it in fact doesn't have to be any way at all it's just a way of living can do that and that is very very inspiring for me yes thank you I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about the the relationship of two concepts maybe that are juxtaposed in my mind yeah. of faith and um one phrasing of it would be beginner's mind I suppose uh-huh. where there's a sense in in with beginner's mind or with um emptiness or with non-clinging where we we just come at everything brand new whereas faith is really kind of um not clinging necessarily but it's really it's a attachment not in the sense of attachment as the third noble truth but attachment in um our second noble truth of um you know we're we're connected to it we're 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 connected to to the past and the and the mm-hmm. present and maybe the future even but we're we're sort of connected to things and faith is you know i yeah as you were talking several times i was thinking of i wonder what the word is if it's the same word in the descriptions of the second jhana with mm-hmm. a confidence comes mm-hmm. um yeah um and uh, you know i'm i'm find myself very confident i guess in the process mm-hmm. of something um but um but the process i mean it's, it's kind of confident in you know in not knowing yeah. uh, you know i have a i have a um a poster a hand calligraphy poster in my office that says all reality is iconoclastic <laughs> you know whatever icons we make whatever images of reality we form reality changes that mm-hmm. every you know every, so it's it's new every time we we wake up and we can trust that when our and, yeah, our practice develops. I love your question. It's it's um when we've really cultivated this practice and when we do start to see clearly how things really are. When we when we are cultivating this wisdom, the wisdom that is bringing in this verified faith, what we're having faith in is impermanent. We're having faith in 
the ever-changing nature of things. Our, our faith itself is not, there's nothing solid that our faith is, is landing on or that it's a, it's a bit, actually it's a little confusing the way that the direct translation is now that I think of it in terms of placing the heart upon. But what we're placing it upon is not solid. And that's what we begin to realize as we develop this practice. And so it does, it is right in this moment uh, where that faith arises. It doesn't arise in the past. There might be an association of the past and remembering of the past. And so, oh yeah, this has worked. But where the faith is arising is right in this moment. And it's not needing to solidify anything. Right, so non-self, right? Yeah. We're using a lot of words here to describe something that really goes beyond words. So it's, it, the vocabulary sometimes doesn't meet the experience. Um, but as we practice, and you know this, uh, we, under, we do understand what, what this is all meaning and that faith can still be there, even with the, un- the ever-changing nature of things, with um, this sense of not a solid self. Um, yeah. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah. I would I mean, question it, Jim. <laughs> Check it out. Bring it into your practice and start to see how does faith relate to, to these truths. Yeah, good. Okay, maybe um, maybe one one last one. Well, since you were saying um, we are saying a lot of words here, and there are a lot of vocabularies and. I, I just thought of an image. <laughs> and so, and for me, it's, it's, can, everybody has this experience on the river, and you have to trust the river will eventually lead you to the ocean. So, I, if faith, to me, maybe that's it, you know, like, um, you're on the river of life, and, um, in, or whatever suffering or whatever storms that, uh, or smooth sailing that you're going on the river, it will lead you to a this vast ocean. And what is at the edge of the ocean? That's your faith too. <laughs> That's right. There is something about the development of this practice that allows us to have ease with that rather than constantly trying to change it or fix it or control what's going to happen next or to have everything so figured out. Uh, 
one of my teachers gave me the mantra at some point, you don't have to figure it out because I was always trying to figure it out, whatever it was, because there was something very settling and solidifying about that. And in this practice, what we're asked to do, which takes a lot of courage, by the way, is to be okay with not knowing, to be within the not, not known and to just be in it and part of it rather than trying to figure it out. And I realize as I'm answering your question and your question, for those of you who are brand new to this practice, you might be going, what? (laughs) Don't even worry about it. (laughs) I will say that uh, as you get curious about, maybe this has piqued your curiosity, what is she talking about? You might check out uh, the three characteristics of, of... just how things are, which is that there's um, uh, dukkha or there's this um, process of uh, different levels of things just not going our way, of things being stressful and unsatisfying, and that there's a whole way of actually uh, relating to that difficulty that brings us to freedom a whole way of understanding it that brings us to freedom. There is, in this practice, uh, the truth that things are not permanent. They're always changing, and this is true about everything within ourselves and outside of ourselves. It's just the truth, but we often live our life as if it was not true, and that brings in tremendous difficulty when we're faced with the truth of it. So how do we relate to it and become more at ease, become more wise knowing this truth? And then the third characteristic is this non-self, which is different from no-self, non-self. Non-self is is, uh, really connecting in a simple way, I'll just say, is really understanding and connecting with the fact that um, what we call ourself is mostly in our mind, that we aren't this solid object. And science shows this. If you go talk to any biologist, they would say, oh, yeah, well, we're these cells and we're this space and we're made up of a lot of water and we're made up of atoms and um, we're actually made up the same stuff as everything else. And we, you know, come from stardust and the whole, the whole thing that what we call ourselves and we hold so dearly as self is, is mostly fabricated in our mind. And because of that fabrication and not seeing the truth of how, who we really are is, one, very limiting and also brings in a lot of struggle and suffering. And so we relieve ourselves of that suffering by seeing the truth of how things are. So a little taste of, you know, What's, what this actually is, what this practice is, is pointing towards. And if you're here for stress reduction and that's it, that's fine too. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, there's more to it than that. There's so much more. Don't limit yourself to stress reduction. <laughs> so much more. Okay, we should end. 
And we'll end by dedicating the merit, which is simply uh, acknowledging that our practice is not just for ourselves, even if you came here for yourself this evening. But when we spend time cultivating in this way and investigating what's true, what, what, is, what is actually authentic and real and truth, as we cultivate in this way and cultivate our mind and our heart, it has a ripple effect. It affects the people in our lives, the people we care about, the people we live with, the people at work, the people we encounter at the grocery store and the coffee shop, the people that we know and we see and the people that go very much unnoticed by us. All of this can have uh, a ripple effect of wholesomeness. And so we offer this time and this cultivation of wholesomeness to all beings everywhere. And with uh, a loving, kind heart, wishing that all beings be happy and have a sense of contentment in life. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in their mind and in their body. And may all beings be touched by this verified faith in some way that brings them to some sense of truth and path. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.